I, I felt I was broken because of it. And I had this extreme sadness that I'd never moved beyond. I also was putting that on my child because I'd gone through postpartum depression. And it was the first time I learned that nothing's wrong with me. Nothing's wrong with me. I chose to come here the way I did so I could learn what I could, so I could become who I am. here. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're chatting with Tanya Newbold about acting, producing, jewelry designing, life, and spirituality. But before we dive into today's episode, just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show. Whether you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, press that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on episodes. And head on over to patreon.com slash Xenia to join the fam and help keep this show going every single week and get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes content, and early access for my music and writing. Again, that's patreon.com slash X-E-N-J-A. Your support means the absolute world to me. Tanya Newbold is an English-born, American-raised PPD advocate and survivor, public speaker, spiritual life coach, producer, actor, and known jewelry designer. Tanya is an expert in resilience from being adopted in the UK, growing up with an alcoholic parent, surviving PPD to go on to co-produce an award-winning documentary, When the Bow Breaks, a documentary about postpartum depression. Whether working as a keynote speaker, coaching, or designing unique jewelry for clients, Tanya's goal is to empower others to thrive, not just survive. Hi, Tanya. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Zanya. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I'm so excited. So thrilled you're here. And I like to start every episode by sharing how my guests and I have met. Um, and you're very special to me because we met through Liz just like randomly when I was really in the dark, like having a tough time. And you showed up for me in just such beautiful ways. So I'm really, really oh. grateful you're here and to know you. Oh my gosh. I feel the same way about you. And, and Liz Swadek is amazing. And she's an incredible connector. And when she told me about you, she said, this girl is very special. And I really want you to spend some time speaking with her. And I just want you to know for me, it was an honor for me. And thank you for your vulnerability and allowing me to connect with you. Well, you made it easy. Like you're such an open person and like, I can, I can feel that you care and that like, that makes it easy for people to then open up and, and be vulnerable. So that's, thank you. And yes, Liz is amazing. Oh my gosh. I need to have her on the podcast too. I keep forgetting to invite her. Plus she's hilarious. I mean, yeah. no one makes me laugh harder than her. I swear to God. <laughs> oh, she's amazing. She is amazing. Okay. Tanya, can we start with what brought you to acting in the first place? Well, I think it really began when I was probably about five years old. I either wanted to be an actor, a princess, or an astronaut. Seeing as that there aren't that many princesses, that was out. Uh, the astronaut, I realized kind of early on, probably not happening. A lot of studying. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the acting always really pulled at me. So I did a lot of musical theater. I studied in college. 
And I made a very bold choice. I'm from England, but I grew up in Michigan to move out to California and I had never been here. So I packed up my car at 21 years old and I drove across country and came out to California. And it's still, once I got out here, it took me several years before I really even got into it, but it's, uh, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Acting was a dream of mine for a little while. And then, you know, like I, I was in musical theater and, and theater through starting in elementary school and then, you know, through high school and, and whatnot. But once I fell in love with directing, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is the route I want to go. <laughs> so yeah. I think directing is fantastic because you have a lot more control. You get to have a lot more of your vision. And that's actually kind of why I got out of acting, even though I've been very blessed. I've done about 20 films, commercials, TV shows. But to have to always wait for someone to give you permission to do your job after a while, that's not a whole lot of fun. So I love that you're directing. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. So what brought you to producing? Well, it came up only because of the fact that when I had my daughter, who is now 12 and a half and amazing, I've been married for a long time, wonderful husband and to have my child and I'm a pretty happy person by nature. And I'm also a very social person. I ended up with very horrific postpartum depression and I didn't know what it was. I couldn't figure out like everyone kind of knew something was wrong with me, especially me, but I, I didn't understand what it was. So once I was able to put a name on it and I was able to do that by reading Brooke Shields book, Down Came the Rain, I was like, oh my God, I have postpartum depression. From there, I couldn't find really much information at all to help me. I, I kept getting told, go for a walk. Go for a while. Go on an antidepressant. And I was smile. like, yes, well, you know, it is, it's all good. And it wasn't all good. I mean, the way I was feeling was not good, very dark and a lot of anxiety, a lot of very negative thoughts towards my child, which praise God, never hurt her, loved her, but still like your mind will play horrible tricks on you. And so once I identified what was going on, my holistic doctor put me on 5-HTP and rosehip oil, which was like a natural Prozac. And it took about two weeks. I was five and a half months into the depression. I was like, I think I'm going to be okay. But from there, I didn't want to just like be like, okay, I'm out of it. Let's move on. I started going, how many other people are going through this? Well, it's approximately one in five people experience wow. postpartum depression. And the fact that I couldn't find information on it I was being interviewed by an amazing director, Jamie Lynn Lippman, for her documentary, Die Trying, about being an actor. And I really liked her. And she was a new mom at the time. Ava was a year and a half. I said, I have an idea for a documentary. I want you to direct it. And she's like, I don't know. I didn't have postpartum depression. I don't know if that's me. But let me look into it. She got back to me 24 hours later and said, oh, my gosh, I posted on a mommy blog I have over a hundred responses of people who would give testimony. So we knew that this was something very important. So from there, we partnered, we got another wonderful girl, Lindsay Gerst, who also was the executive producer, and kind of the main through line of the documentary. And the three of us co-produced when the bow breaks. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's like, it's so empowering to, to create something so beautiful out of such pain and struggle. Well, you know, and this is a really important point that you and I have spoken about before, too. When we go through these very traumatic experiences, there's a lot of shame attached to it. There's a lot of stigma. There's a lot. I can't let you see what's really going on in here because you may not like me. You may not want me around you. Like there's so many 
thoughts when it's honestly our pain really is our gift because when we expose it to the light, as we know, the light makes darkness disappear, right? So the more we expose it, we say, this is who I am and it's what I went through. It's something I experienced, but it does not define me. Then all of a sudden you realize what a gift it was. And I'm now very grateful for every struggle I've had in my life where I used to feel sad about it. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, it actually makes me kind of (laughs) cool. Well, it's like, it's exactly what you say. It's part of your story. It's part of you. It's not you. It's part of you. Right. Well, the biggest thing I'm getting a cramp on my foot. Sorry. The biggest (laughs) thing is that, um, is that the ability to help others with it. So when someone talks to me about their pain and what they're going through, I truly can empathize because I've been there. It's not just like, Oh honey, I'm sure you'll be okay. Cause we've all had that said to us and you're like, you have no idea what I'm really feeling. But when you do go through these things, you truly do know. And now being in such a wonderful place in my life that I, I have so much gratitude for to be able to talk to anyone and say, I am there with you. I totally respect your feelings. Let me give you some tools and you will have a better day. I had a friend call me today who was having some very tough thoughts. And I said, I really want you to get none of it is permanent. The highs nor the lows it will always shift again. Yeah, absolutely. And too, if you've gone through something, like you're not going to be the only one who's gone through it. Other people are going to have not the same experiences, but you know, similar, and they're going to benefit from you sharing your story. Absolutely. And I do think, and you'll understand this being creative artists, we are, we are built to feel like we're intuitive. We feel more that like, sometimes I look around, I'm like, Am I I the only one feeling this way? Do other people not see what I'm seeing? They don't. So we are actually very much needed in the world, especially at a time right now through the pandemic and everything we've gone through, your voice, what you're doing with your podcast. There will be someone listening who's like, oh, thank God for this. I'm not crazy. And I think at the end of the day, that's all any of us want is community to say, we are all human beings. We are spiritual beings having a a body experience and we're here to learn and grow. None of it is bad or wrong. Absolutely. I was talking with uh, a guest a few weeks ago about screenwriting and the like evolution of storytelling and how Mm. we've evolved to tell stories to feel and to like have that experience. So then if if when you are in an experience, you know what to do. And so that's when like people like us empaths come in and like we, we can make the, those creations so that people can feel it. Absolutely. Well, and on that note, I've been writing my own story of my journey through postpartum depression and it's really cathartic, but it's also very informative, like everything to, to, for people to know, like all the ins and outs of what you feel and what you go through that, you know, these stories are very important there. And mine is only one. There's so many, your story, everyone's story is designed to help other people. And I love that. It's, it makes it a pleasure to do. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this podcast too, is because we all have a story, you know? Yes. And I, and I feel like sometimes it's like, for whatever reason there, cause there are so many, it's, we feel silenced. We feel like we can't share or shouldn't share our stories or, you know, we can only share the good things. We can only share our yeah. successes, but there's so much more to our stories and to what makes us who we are and what lead us to what we do. So, yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So can we talk a little bit more about the ins and out of uh, your documentary, When the Bow Breaks? Sure. Yeah, I, um, you know, it was a really interesting process because also at the time I had a corporate job. So it was very challenging for me to be present through a lot of it, which is partly when Lindsay came into the story. And Jamie Lynn, like I said, was an incredible researcher. I mean, I really give her the credit for the way she shot it. And I actually just watched it again the other week because I am to the part in my book where I'm writing my own testimony. And I was like, you know what? This is a very good, solid film. If you or anyone you know is struggling with postpartum depression, please watch it. It's on iTunes, Amazon Prime. You can go to our website, whenthebowbreaksfilm.com and rent it there. And it's in 70 countries and six languages. So that shows you it got legs of its own. It was on Netflix for a year and a half. And I still see it going to a big network as a documentary series or something like that. But to get something completed, that's the other thing as an artist, to actually get a film completed and out there and sold. I'm so grateful because I don't think I realized how tough that was but that's not easy to do. So I commend anyone. And I'm going to tell you, if you have an idea or something you want to do, do not give up. You do it. You keep going. You keep going. You might get, might be like Colonel Sanders. You get 150 no's and then you'll get a yes, but don't give up if you're passionate. I love that. And you know what? I needed to hear exactly that because I'm in, in the like pre-production stage of my music video or music short film (laughs) is what I'm learning is now, you know, what it is. Um, and it's hard. It's hard. I feel like I'm in this place where I'm trying to get a production team together. And for various reasons, nobody's like able to to join. And it's like, no, I'm so like, this is a thing I, I get to keep going on this. So, yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Zenia, you will find your tribe and your team. And when you do, it's magical. I, I'm so grateful to all the women that are in my life at this point in my life. We're all very supportive of each other. We're there for each other. When you find that you become unstoppable. And I consider the ones that fall away, that's a blessing. You don't want to convince someone consistently that, no, no, this is a good thing. And we need to do this. You want someone who can walk in and go, yep, I see it. I see it. I'm with you. What do we need to do? And you will find that tribe. So keep going. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting that you say that because what I put out to the universe now is a very, you know, variations of bring me the people who are, are supposed to work yes. on this with me. Yes. You and know, like, to start thanking the universe yeah. for bringing those right people. Right. Yeah, yeah, I know know you tell me to do that. And I'm like, ah, I know. And it does work. You're going to laugh. I have a Pomeranian here who is dying to come on my lap. Do you really want to come up? Do you want to come up? Come here. Come here. Oh, no, don't run away. I'm on camera. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. Come here. Okay, never mind. I have there are three dogs in my house right now. The house I'm staying in. You know, (laughs) they have no concept that I'm doing something. They're just like, hi, mom. Yeah. (laughs) No, there's a lot. There's a big truth to that. And I think this is very important for most people to know. We tend to look at the glass half empty, not half full. We tend to focus on what's not working or what's gone wrong. The more we can stop that line of thinking and say, what is working? What is good? 
and thank the universe in a sense that it's already there. It's already happening. You maybe don't see the steps. You maybe have to wait for someone else to be free from another project. And all of a sudden they show up for you on that perfect day. So these things are always in the works for us. And the more we claim it, because it's our God-given right to each and every one of us, the more they show up. So it's a good thing for people to know. Yeah, I think what I... And battling with it is like the, the, the feeling worthy to, to, yes. to accept that, like accept good into my life. You know, like it's, it's, it's weird. You know, you'd think that, that you would want all of the good and it would be so easy, but it's actually really hard. And you're right about that. What happens is a lot of times we op- operate from the primitive brain, which is in the back of our head, which is always in fight or flight. And what that means, it's always looking for a problem. What's not working? What's wrong? What do I have to be ready for next? I'll find myself fantasizing about an earthquake, a big earthquake. And I'm like, stop. Like that is the monkey brain, the rabbit hole thinking of negativity. And the more I look outside, I'm like, the sun is shining. It's beautiful. Everything is okay. So it's almost like training your brain. And we've spoken about this. You don't go to a gym once and Tony Robbins says this and have a great body. You have to consistently work it out. You do with your brain also. So you, your feeling of what you're saying is a very, I'm going to say worldwide feeling. And the truth is us being on this planet, it is our right to have a worthy life, just us being here. And we actually do come here to play and learn and grow. And the sooner we recognize like, no, okay, maybe I've gone through things, things happen always. What, but what was the gift in that? What was the blessing in that? Now let's move on. And it is a consistent, it took me years and years and years to get there. Like I can say this to you now, like I know this, oh no, trust me. I had Weeks at a time, I'd be laying in bed like, oh, I can't do this. I just can't <laughs> yeah. do this. So, you know, Me this morning. <laughs> I totally get it. So knowing that and rec- and also, though, too, another important thing is actually to embrace that as well. Be gentle with yourself. I'm having a hard time right now. I'm scared. I'm sad. Okay. It's okay. You're okay. I got you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to love you and be gentle and kind because sometimes I think when we have these negative feelings... We actually get very mean to ourselves. Oh, what's wrong with you? Why are you thinking this way? There's nothing wrong. You know what? Sometimes you just are. And the more you can be gentle as you would with a child who doesn't know any different, then you can move through the feelings and get to the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think too, like when I'm in that super negative state, I've, I've sort of kind of started to objectively look at things because a lot of it is time for me. So, and I'll, and I'll just get in that, in that monkey mind rut of like, it's not happening on my schedule. And when I'm in that, even if it came to me, I wouldn't be able to accept it. So it's like objectively being like, I'm not even in a, in an emotional state to accept the thing that I want to happen. Patience. (laughs) Right. And you know, what a beautiful lesson to learn. Here's a crazy, silly example. I left my house yesterday, I think it was, and I forgot to turn the alarm on in my house. And I get my car and I'm backing out of the driveway and I'm like, I'm only going for an hour. And I, but my mind, something said, go in and do what you know is right. I put the car in park. I walked in, there was a window open. I had to run upstairs, close the window, go down, turn on. I get to the main intersection down at the end of my block and there was a car crash in the center of the intersection. And I couldn't help but thinking, 
was that voice like was that a spirit just saying you know a holy spirit or god or whatever saying hold on a second i need you to hang back because what i have been in that accident so the point being is now i recognize that even when things don't happen in the time frame i think they should i'm like you have time like patience you're going to be okay like things do happen when they're meant to and it's hard sometimes because we have our own goals in this life right that we want to see happen by certain time frames and you have to set goals and do all this but most people overestimate what they'll do in a year and underestimate what they'll do in the next 5 to 10 years yeah that makes so much sense and i think it's because of also like what we see like we'll see the finished products and we'll see everybody promoting the thing that they just did. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Well, I'm at the beginning of this road. So it's, it's, it's like, it's the comparison thing, you know, like be careful who you're comparing yourself to, which I'm so guilty. Like I compare myself to like all of the Hollywood celebrities and I'm like, why am I not them? (laughs) And you know what, that's a very, again, that's a very normal thing to do, right? Because we're looking for benchmarks. We're looking for, oh, I'd like to be like this person over here or have this accomplishment over here. And to say the beauty actually is in the journey. It's so funny because no matter how hard that journey is and you're like, I can't wait to be done with this. You will always nostalgically look back and be like, that was so neat what we did. And we did this and we worked hard. Remember those days where we thought it would never happen? Our documentary, we began in 2010, it got released in 2017 or 2018, I think. So it was a long process. My director had a second baby in amongst it. We had, you know, so many different factors happen and it seemed like it took forever. And then now I look back and it seemed like it was a blink of an eye. So kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it, that gets into like the whole time conversation <laughs> and is time actually you know what we think it is which I'm I'm, I'm thinking it's not uh but that's cool so yes. <laughs> yeah so uh, I would love to hear about um your advocacy work and your speaking work about PPD you know it's I realized I was actually chosen to do it in the sense it's funny. I I majored in speech communications in college. I've been an actor. I used to do beauty pageants, all that kind of stuff. And I now, and I used to be so sad that I never got my Oscar or never, you know, never, oh, if only. And now I'm like, it's a statue really like God bless. (laughs) Who cares? Like, let's be real. And everything I've done actually has led me up to who I am today. So I can sit here and comfortably talk to you and talk to your audience about different aspects of creativity and the trauma and drama and everything we go through. But it has trained me for who I am now. This is so different than doing it. What kills me is I remember doing the movie um, Red Dragon and I got to work with um Oh my God, I'm blanking at Ray Fines and all these big at Harvey Keitel and Edward Norton. And that's who my scene was with. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm finally here. And I was in my trailer thing. And I remember looking at my watch because we didn't have the cell phone thing back then and being like, what time am I done? I want to go home. And then I was like, wait, did, did I just have that thought? Yeah. So I was like, hold on a second. I thought this was like going to fulfill you. It doesn't compare to what I'm doing now, which is being able to let someone know you are not alone. You are not crazy. You're a beautiful being and none of us are perfect and you will get through this. So 
the work I'm doing now doesn't even compare. I love acting. If someone called me today and said, I want you to do a role in this film, I'm a really good actor. I would love that. Am I going to chase it? No. But do I love what I'm doing to help others? Will I fight to get to an audience to talk to them about PPD? Absolutely. Will I fight to get to someone to say, listen, you're thinking about taking your life. Let me tell you why you shouldn't. Absolutely. And those are the things that truly fulfill me now is being able to help others. And that is the true gift of the journey I've gone through. And I'm going to go through many more mistakes or learning curves. And, you know, uh, this is how it is and what we're supposed to go through. But now I embrace it as a beautiful thing instead of looking at it as something's wrong. Yeah, it's so inspiring and helpful for me too to like hear you talk because of like, like just to have like female mentors and role models, like that's mm-hmm. something I lacked so much in my childhood. And so to have that now is, it, it gives me hope, you know, cause I definitely had that narrative of I'm wrong. You know, there's something wrong with me, blah, 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 blah. But no, there's nothing wrong with me. So no, there's it, nothing wrong with you. You are fantastic and perfect just the way you are. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> Only speaking the truth. <laughs> Have you done more producing? Um, not really, because I've moved more into the public speaking, into the coaching and writing of my book. And as you know, I'm also a jewelry designer. So I'm very blessed. I love having all these careers. I definitely have ADHD. I definitely do. Like, I, you know, I don't think they had a label when I was a kid, but I am so the bird with the shiny object. I'm like, how many things can I do at once? And I, I love it. I love my life. So I have no complaints. But I, um, I would absolutely do more producing if the project was right. But that was such a passion project for me. And, and I was one who received the forethought to, to do it and got to produce it with two incredible women. I would do more, but it would have to be something that I, it's like an acting role. I could never accept a role that I didn't feel passionate about or connect to. And it's the same thing with producing. I, I get that. Can, do you mind talking a little bit about the projection process and like being a producer? Cause I feel like right now I'm, I'm figuring that out with my short. Oh my gosh. There is, it is no joke. Like producers are, they are the heart the producer and director really are the bones of the project because producer, you have to follow up at, can we shoot at this location? Is there any restrictions? I mean, all of the, the nitty gritty, and I'm not the best paperwork person, Um, you know, it's about getting the talent, getting the people involved, finding the right place to shoot, the right cameras to shoot with the editing process, the right editor, the right camera people. There are so many wheels. And, you know, even down to if you have to have extras in it, you know, people think, oh, the stars, the stars. Honey, those stars wouldn't be stars if it weren't for all the background people and the lighting person who makes you look good and everything else. And I kind of love how today is you can get an iPhone 12 Max, Pro Max, and shoot your own movie. I mean, that's amazing. And some of the best productions to me now are not so much the big studio, but the independents where they have a passion project and they go out and they shoot it with all their heart and you can feel that in it. So I encourage any artist to carry on with what you're doing. You may do 10, 20, 30 things before something hits, but if you love what you're doing and you feel good about it, that's beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. It is so funny too about like iPhone. Like I take all of my photos and I take them with my iPod. That's yes. See? Yeah. That's amazing. I had this well, like random like, what if I just make all of my videos on an iPhone? And I was like, well, we could do that. <laughs> or <laughs> no. Listen, as the advancements are happening, you're right. The other thing I will say about being a producer is you really have to be a salesperson too. And that can be uncomfortable because you have to ask for money. And that is a big topic for a lot of people where people get very uncomfortable, right? Whether it's asking for sponsorship, asking for money for your production. I come from a background of the corporate world and sales. Oh, I have no problem asking you for anything because my number for me is going to be 38 million. Don't ask me how I'm getting it, but that's my number. I decided that two years ago. So, but I also, I figure I'll ask you the worst you can do is tell me no, and I don't take it personally. So again, it's getting past that rejection point of being told no, and you just have to keep going until you get the answer you want. Yeah. Yeah. Enough no's. A yes is coming soon. hundred percent. Okay, let's talk about jewelry designing. Your okay. pieces are beautiful. I was like on your Instagram, just like, oh my God. Uh, Thank but you. how did you start? Like, what got you started in, in jewelry making? Well, funny enough, I had no money. And I, I've always loved beautiful things. My mom used to say to me, like, you know, who are you? Because I would love all these beautiful things. And um, I started designing stuff. So I thought, well, I can make something like that and I'd buy inexpensive glass beads or rocks or whatever and create something. What ended up happening was someone would be like, oh my God, where did you get that? Oh, I made it. Well, can I buy one? And I was like, sure. And that's where it began. And that was in 2002. So almost 20 years ago. And as time went by, I was upgrading, upgrading, upgrading. And now I'm, I love it. I can create any picture you send me, I can create, I have an amazing team and it took me a long time to find them as well, but I can do anything. I can design any piece of jewelry. I love physically like wire linking and beading things. It's probably my form of meditation. And I just happen to be very blessed that people like to buy it and wear it, but I love oh, jewelry. Oh, I'm sending, oh my gosh. My, do you know Gwendolyn Osborne? I know of her. Okay. She is the, she was one of the Amazons in Wonder Woman 1984. She's stunningly beautiful. And she's going to New York Monday to do a shoot with a very high-end photographer. And I'm like, can I give you some rings? Can I give you some earrings? I mean, you don't have to wear them, but if they're on there. So, I mean, I get very excited about all of it. I love it. Yeah. Side note, can you uh, maybe introduce me via email to Gwendolyn so I can invite her I, to be on my podcast? Oh my gosh, I would be honored. I've got a couple that I can send your way. Brianne yeah. Davis, who just published a book um, about being a sex and love addict. And she's a phenomenal actress, beautiful girl, funny. Like I've got a couple really phenomenal girls. I'd be happy to send your way. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. Okay. Um, okay, so... Tell me a little bit about like starting out, creating a business, challenges, benefits, things you learned Ooh. along the way. Oh my gosh. I, it has taken me a long, long time to get dialed in. I'm not even going to lie to you. I, I didn't even have good packaging for my jewelry. 
until probably three years ago where uh, a friend of mine, Amanda Hayward, asked me to put some jewelry on the prices right. And she's like, well, what's your packaging? And I was like, um, I just buy a box. And <laughs> you know, so it's like there is a whole thing like and I get very excited about it. I just ordered tissue paper for my bags with my logo. To some people, they'd be like, yeah, whatever. I think that is so exciting. <laughs> so it took me a very long time to get dialed in because I never had an investor. I didn't have a ton of financial resources. So I really needed to sell stuff to continue to move up to do more stuff. It's been a long process, but there are a lot of ins and outs because sometimes I would overspend like crazy. I'd take a look at my credit card bill and just about fall out and have heart attacks. I'm like, how am I ever going to pay for this? And then it took me, what I realized, this is a good information for anyone who has a business. There are two different things between working in your business and working on your business. And I didn't learn until I'd really done uh, Tony Robbins, Unleash the Power Within Us, very good at working in my business, not good at working on my business. You have to have checks and balances. You have to look at the numbers. You have to have an analytical mind and say, this is not making sense. Why are you still creating these pieces of jewelry when nobody is buying it, but you're selling these over here? So you have to learn how to balance both out. And I think that's hard for us creatives. We just want to make stuff and do stuff and wherever it goes. But the problem is you won't find the level of success you want if you continue to do that. So the more I found a niche market and got dialed in, the more it started to flow and the better I felt about it. Because now I didn't feel like, oh God, I spent way too much money on that. And mm -hmm. I shouldn't be. Now I'm, it's all checks and balances and I still do just fine. Mm -hmm. How did you find your niche market? Through time, through time, through seeing what people gravitated towards. And it was not always what I thought. A lot of the stuff I do is one of a kind. I make it really because I like it. And if you like it, that's great. And if you don't, I don't really care. I'll just keep wearing it, you know? So <laughs> a lot of what I do, but I'm also, for some reason, I'm very drawn to opals. I'm very drawn to pearls, diamonds, gold, um, aquamarines. I, I love the ocean colors, anything. I'm a water baby. So anything to do with the ocean and the water is very much my jam. It's funny. I don't gravitate to browns or yellows or oranges. So most, I can do it. I'll work with it. But most everything I do is a reflection of my inner spirit. And if you look at my website, it's like, those colors and the mauvey pinks and all that and turquoise. And I just love all that stuff. Yeah. Is it, is it often just trial and error? It is, it is. I'll, I'll make something and, and that might be a one-off and never happen again. I've had, I have one bracelet. It's so funny. I sold recently. I made it in 2005. I sold it a year ago. Wow. <laughs> that thing's been sitting around a long time. <laughs> and this woman was so excited about it. And I was like, Okay, great. So I've also learned not to get too attached to an outcome when I do it, make it the right person will come along and take it when it's meant to happen. And then, you know, whatever doesn't happen, it'll end up being someone's gift or I'll sell it on sale or whatever. So I don't get too attached to the outcome. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing segue into talking a little bit more about spirituality and uh, life coaching because not getting attached to the outcome Oh my gosh. Amazing life lesson that I'm yes. still learning. <laughs> oh, trust me. We all are. I don't think you ever stop learning that truthfully. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lifelong journey. Yeah. So I just, I would love to know, cause you're such a spiritual being. 
how like like the role that spirituality has played throughout your life were you always a spiritual person or did you did it did you find it did it find you I'll tell you this I I've always believed in God um I grew up with it and then I got to be 19 years old and two things happened his name was Mark I couldn't tell you his last name I I knew a story of him healing a little girl who had sliced her chin open and he had this incredible faith in God and he touched her and he prayed and it, it actually did heal. And I remember thinking, I want to do that. And on my trip back, we were talking about uh, my girlfriend and I, we had gone down to Tennessee and we we're talking about God. And I remember looking at clouds in the sky and it looked like almost like a father and child. And it made me think of God and Jesus. And in that moment, I was 19. I accepted Christ into my life as my savior. That's my own personal journey. It's not everyone's. I will never forget. I'd started modeling and I had pictures before and I had pictures after. And my mom said, oh my God, you look like two different people. And I did the one prior. It was like this darkness. It was a dark, like from within. And after you could see the light, it was crazy. And then I moved out to California and trust me, I, I had weeks where I could, I had no money for food. I mean, I, I definitely went through a lot of hard times out here as well. And over the years though, I never lost my faith. Then I had the opportunity to go to Bali with um, this amazing spiritual healer. Her name is Jennifer Schaefer. If you want to follow her, Jen, the alternative on Instagram, she's phenomenal. And one of my mentors. And when I went, I learned a lot about being adopted that I felt I was broken because of it. And I had this extreme sadness that I'd never moved beyond. I also was putting that on my child because I'd gone through postpartum depression. And it was the first time I learned that nothing's wrong with me. Nothing's wrong with me. I chose to come here the way I did so I could learn what I could so I could become who I am. And it's all part of the journey. And last year I connected with my biological mom, which was really neat. We write back and forth. And I told her, thank you so much. Thank you so much for not giving me up and allowing me this experience of being here. I wasn't meant to be their child, but I was meant to come through them. So as I've embraced God more and more, my spirituality and the universe, and I think they're all tied, Buddhism, I think it's all tied in together. I, I, I have a lot of views on all of that, but as I've done that, my intuition has gone really high and it's fascinating to me because things will come through me and I know it's not me. It's not my, my, my judgment or my, their messages that come through. And it's because I'm more open to that. I guess, I think we all have that power. I really do. It's how much you choose to tune into it and cultivate it. And it's very important to me because it's a very peaceful place to operate out of. And it keeps me peaceful in the process instead of sad, which I used to be a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I found that too. I feel like I'm just barely, you know, the tip of the iceberg with my spirituality, but it's, it's powerful. It's powerful. It's, and it's hard because we have a lot of dogma, a lot of religion, uh, you know, the way we're told we're supposed to think or pray or be, um, you know, I just, I just coached someone the other day in England who is gay and his parents estranged him because they were Irish Catholics and yet they have this strong faith in God. So how, how does that tie in if you have the strong faith in God, but you're not willing to accept your own child? I'm sorry, that's, that's not God. Jesus left the church and sat with the paupers because he said, these are the people. 
These are, these are my people. Ooh, and I'm getting those goosebumps. And it's true because that is, we are all connected. We are all connected to each other. And the more we can align with that and not be so judgmental of each other, whether it be race, religion, socioeconomic, we are all connected and we have the opportunity to have a beautiful existence. The more we can recognize that. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about religion over this past summer because, you know, COVID and what else are you going to do? What else (laughs) are you going to do? So I but I I was like, if you break pretty much every religion down to its most basic teaching, it's love and kindness. Like we are all made of love and and we have to get back to that somehow. And we can. You know, like that's the, that's the amazing thing is we can, we totally can. It's, it's just, are we willing to? Are we willing to? And I think for the, also too, let's talk about the pandemic. Many people are having many different experiences, correct? Some people are feeling extreme isolation. Some people are feeling gratitude. Some people, uh, for me personally, it stopped me from being such a runner and got me more rooted in what really matters and the stuff, the stuff, the stuff doesn't really matter. I mean, do you know how many outfits I've worn the last year or how many times I've worn me? I have makeup on for you today because you know <laughs> I, I wanted to, but point being is the stuff that I even used to think was so important. You begin to go, Oh, wait a second. If your house is on fire, what are you grabbing? You're your children, your animals, your photographs, you're out the door, like what really matters. And I think this has been a great learning opportunity for all of us in the world to kind of get back to that and really be honest about what matters. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I had another, uh, podcast conversation with my, uh, my audio editor. Um, and we were talking about how the West really, really values and like like we, we feel like we have to identify ourselves with what we do and our, and our work and, and everything. And I feel this so heavily actually wrote a uh, spoken word, like slam poetry piece. I'll, I'll email it to you. It was really good. Oh, I'd love to read Um, it. Please do. I would love to read it. But it was about exactly that. Like how I am totally falling into that trap of my identity is now like everything that I create. But the cool thing that I, that I realized after I wrote it was I think it's bridging a gap and it's just a placeholder because I'm in this place where I don't want to be identifying with all of the negative things, all of like the monkey mind things, but I just can't yet identify with the positive things. And like, like logically I know as I am, I am inherently enough, but I can't feel it yet. So it's like, maybe this is just a, a bridge. And you know what, I, I not to interrupt, but the fact that you actually can, can put a thought and vocalize that to it, you're absolutely right. You are aware. It's what we don't know we don't know that really trips us up. Once we know, then we can say, okay, I'm not there, but I am aware that that really is the truth. So then it goes to just, again, training the mind, and it may take a long time or not, whatever, but to be aware of that, even when you do fall into the traps of society or what we think the shoulds and should not and have, have nots that you begin to go, no, 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 that is actually not real. And you're able to then decipher and get a little bit clearer on what's important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Okay. So I want to be mindful of time. So let's jump to final five speed round. 
Okay. Unless, unless is there, is there anything I didn't ask about that you want to share? Honestly, it's been such a pleasure and I feel like we covered a lot of areas and I'm good. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> um, okay. First question. What was your favorite production to act in? Oh my gosh. It's so, um, probably I'm going to say X-Men three, the last stand, because I got to go up to Vancouver. I was flown up first class. I played Kelsey Grammer's assistant. It was absolutely beautiful there. I had the most amazing Stilton cheesecake there that I still make this recipe. So it really stood out to me. I had so much fun. I hung out um, with Brett Ratner, who was the director and the producer, um, Alex, I can't think of his last name right now, but hung out with them. My scene was done, stayed until six o'clock in the morning, just talking to them. And I know Brett has a, a lot of negativity around him, but he was always so lovely to me. And I thought a wonderful, talented director. I actually worked with him on four films. So I've, that was probably my favorite production. And then oddly enough, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was on last night. And I actually taped my little part and put it on Instagram because that was my first movie. I got asked to play a rock and roll reporter write my own dialogue and it pretty much stayed in there. And that wow. was neat because I had never been on a film set and I played Keanu Reeves, not played. I was Keanu Reeves stand in. I played a college student in the future. I played Marilyn Monroe in heaven and then Kata Axelrod, the rock and roll reporter. So I have a lot of love for that one too. That sounds so much fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite spiritual practice or way to connect to the universe? Breathing is I it, breathing is very important. Um, journaling also is very important. Jennifer was trying to teach me that forever. I'm like, ah, journaling, ah, ah, because I like to move fast. But the more I do that and I take the time and um, I pray and breathe. Oh, or the other big thing, going out in my backyard, shoes off, feet on the ground, opening my palms and just picturing the energy coming in and cleansing me and listening for the birds and smelling the air. And it really centers me. So it's several different things, but the power of prayer for me is incredible. I love it. Um, what's one piece of advice you have for a small business owner? I'm going to say right now, there are so much available to you for um, whether it be PPP, like a protection loans, or I don't know if it's called protection, paycheck protection program. That's what it is. There's a lot, there's Lendistry. There's a lot of different avenues where you can apply for grants. And right now is the time to do it because of COVID and the pandemic that actually funds are a lot more accessible to you. you can even go to your bank, but don't be afraid to reach out and, and work on some of that to give you some capital to work with. Um, keep it real. Don't, you know, you don't start off opening four stores. You start off with one small one. You see how it goes and really do your an analytics is important. You have to work on your business and say what's working, what's not get rid of what's not keep going towards what is. What is one piece of advice for someone who is experiencing or has experienced postpartum depression? Definitely. Um, you can reach out to me. I know you'll put that in the show notes. I will always connect with anyone going through that. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Tanya Newbold. I'm, uh, I have my own website, tanyanewbold.com. You can message me there, but also more importantly than me, the best place to go is Postpartum Support International, which is psi.net. 
And I'll send you all this, Senya, so you can put it in the show notes. They have a warm line, which they someone will get back to you within 24 hours. They have it both for English and Spanish. You can text if you don't want to call. But they have so many resources that are so valuable and helpful, and they can point you in the right direction to help you with whatever your needs are, wherever you are in the country. That's amazing. That sounds like a really amazing service. It is. Okay. Last question. What's something you tell someone who doesn't believe they have a spiritual connection? I actually have had the opportunity to be with someone like that. And it was really fascinating. She's a wonderful girl. And she said, I am an atheist. And I was like, tell me about that. And she had come from a mother who had tried to pound it into her to such a degree that she completely went the opposite. For me, I found the best way was to truly listen to her story and to be spiritual with her and allow her the space to be who she truly is. Because when people say, well, you're not going to go to heaven or this, that is not what it's about. To me, invite someone in by being the example that they go, you know, it's funny. I don't really like spirituality, but she was really cool. I'd like to know more about that. So to me, it's, it's allowing people to truly be without judgment who they are and then pray for them. For me, like if I, if I, I can pray for her, I don't need to tell her I'm praying for her. I don't need to talk about it, but I can pray for her. And so that to me is the advice. Amazing. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful you were a guest. Oh my gosh. I'm again, so honored. I'm so proud of everything you're doing. You are fantastic. You just keep on going. You keep making it happen. <laughs> Yay. Manifesting. Yay. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed your time today. Please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if you liked today's episode, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me and it helps more listeners like you find this podcast. You can connect with our guests and myself on social media. All of our information and more is listed in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Senya. See you next time.